Uh, this is our first of three sermons uh, that we will do in this series entitled Broken Christianity. And so I'm starting off uh, with discerning reality. And uh, I don't know about you, but when you hear that, I'm not sure what comes to mind. Many things can come to mind, but uh, maybe you're like me. This particular thing came to my mind. I'll show you here. What it is. The matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work. When you go to church. When you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave in here. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. You know, hard to believe that The Matrix, uh, this, this science fiction instant classic came out almost 20 years ago in 1999, right? Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, what? 20 years ago? I remember being a teen, going to that movie with the teen ministry. And everyone was asking, what is The Matrix? So Neo, played by Keanu Reeves, this main character here, the hero of the movie, and in the scene with uh, Morpheus, Lawrence Fishburne, he introduced the idea that all the life uh, on Earth may be nothing more than this elaborate facade developed by this uh, cyber intelligence to enslave mankind. And he gives them the opportunity to choose this, this blue pill or the red pill. And I'm offering you only one thing, the truth. And nothing more. Yeah. And the movie goes on, and we're just hooked for the next half, uh, you know, hour and a half or so. You know, they're they're chasing in and out of reality in the matrix, dodging bullets, breaking fundamental laws of gravity, learning kung fu. I mean, life just got much more interesting for this software programmer 
who was meant for so much more. You know, with the advances of technology here, we're offered a way to alter our own reality through a set of goggles or glasses entering a virtual reality. VR. You know, I'm familiar, and I'm sure we're familiar with VR, but just so that we're on the same page, it's defined as the computer simulated generation of a three-dimensional image or environment that can be interacted with in a seemingly real or physical way. You know, some of us have uh, those uh, VR goggles. You might have played a few games. I remember playing at Josh's house and I was on this roller coaster and I was trying to shoot zombies. And as the roller coaster ride would go up and down, my mind literally thought that when you go down a roller coaster, your heart is going to, you know, it's going to feel something. But I'm like, I'm in a room. Why do I feel like I'm on a roller coaster ride? I know I'm in Josh's room. I know there's not a zombie here about to eat me, okay? (laughs) But I was so immersed and I thought this was so real. But, you know, virtual reality has gone way beyond video games. It's making huge advances in medicine, engineering, city planning, military. By simply putting on a pair of goggles, you can have one of these immersive experiences. But God, God would want all of mankind to know that this book right here, His words, this mirror right here, are the lenses that can alter what we see. That can alter what we think, how we feel, what we do, and therefore alter how we live. You know, we live in a world that's truth challenged. Reality challenged. Perception is reality. And at a certain level, that, that is true. Because our perception forms our reality that we act on. But it doesn't mean our perception is always accurate. You ever perceived something in which you had a you had a hard time seeing what was really true, what was really there? Take a look at uh, this illustration here. And I want you to tell me which of these lines uh, is the longest, which is the shortest, uh, which one falls in the middle. And yet these lines, although they look different, are actually all the same. Alright, the next slide kind of shows us that, right? The arrows pointing in or pointing out don't really matter. Okay, maybe some of you got that and you're like, ah, yes, I wasn't deceived. I'm good. Okay, let's try the next one here. Alright, so what am I looking at? Are these, are these snakes? Are these wheels? Uh, is it moving? Is it spinning? And your eyes are spinning, but they're actually not spinning at all. It's just your eyeballs, it's the movements that your eyes are giving you. But if you have a steady fixation on it, it actually vanishes and nothing's moving. Well, let's try this last one here called the Impossible Trident. This image here depicts what at first appears to be this three-pronged object whose prongs originate from two sources, or is it three? But the puzzling image works by tricking your mind into thinking and perceiving this two-dimensional drawing as a three-dimensional object. 
You're like, please take that off. I can't tell. I'm like, ah. I'm following the line. Like, I'm like, ah, then it gets stuck. Take it off, please. And, and you know, these things rattle our minds. They boggle the brain. These illusions. But what about life? That, you know, that's scary enough to be tricked by these images. But is it possible we can live this illusioned life? We can live the illusion. And if we're not careful, we could find out after life has been spent, after life has been lived, that it's lived and it's been deceived. But what I love about God is that God wants to help us. He wants us to see life the way it is now, before it's too late. Right. We're going to be reading here in Acts 17. Actually, the first, first point here we're going to bring up is that truth can be known. That with God, truth can be known. And in Acts 17, we find Jesus' disciples, after Jesus had resurrected and gone up to be with God, His disciples are spreading the gospel. And in chapter 17, read with me as we begin in verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens... He was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, What is this babbler trying to say? You ever felt like that? You ever been called maybe a babbler for your faith? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. And they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. It was foreign to them. Then they they took him and brought him to a meeting of Arapagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and and we want to know what they mean. And all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So Paul then stood up in the meeting of Arapagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked very carefully of your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And He's not served by human hands, as if He needed anything. Because He Himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man He made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And He determined the time set for them, and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek Him, and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. Who has a better grasp on reality 
than the one who created everything that is real, who doesn't live in temples or buildings built by man. There's nothing special about the buildings that we enter to worship God. Though we're grateful we have the Fairview building, we're grateful though uh, maybe at times scenically or, or challenged or, or you know there's challenges with it, we're grateful we have a place to worship God. He Himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. He marked out the times in history where people would live on earth so that man would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him. What God wants you and I to know is that God can be known. He wants to be found. And in the middle of constant bombardments of lies, deceits, and cover-ups, He wants you to know He can be found. This is why Paul kept it simple. I will make what is unknown known to you. But the truth of the matter is he was, he was greatly distressed to see that the city had been full of idols. It was these idols that prevented them from going to the truth where the true God can be found. When God looks at our lives, what does He see? Is He the center of it or some other idols? Well, ask yourself, you know... Do you spend what do you spend your time on? You know, who do you spend your time with? Where do you invest your money in? Your relationships? What are they centered on? Your conversations? Is it the latest ideas? Is it politics? Gossip? What the masses are saying and doing? You know, there's a mantra out there that says, live your truth. Live your truth. Do you. You know, what an illusion. Because we understand when somebody lives their truth, it can actually be at the cost of someone else's dignity, character, even life. You know, I mean, I don't know if you follow the news lately. I, I, I just need to be in touch with the times. But it's hard. It's hard to hear a long slew list of Hollywood producers and celebrities, household names and anchors and politicians and and comedians that you may have grown up with, people that you've known, that you've seen, all admitting to some form of sexual assault. These guys were living their truth. They felt entitled to take whatever they wanted from whoever they wanted But we look at that and we go, man, wow. Anyone here who has an ounce of humanity goes, man, that is, that is clearly out of bounds. That is so wrong. Yeah. But, but they were living their truth. But what about for us in our lives, the things in our lives that are so black and white to God, but we're over here saying, man, we're, we're just living our truth. That somehow we've we've made Christianity to be, you know, it's a long, it's a it's a it's not a team sport. I can be a lone ranger. It's between me and God. Only God can judge me. No, no, yeah, that's the that should scare you. That's the problem. That God will judge. 
Oh, my sin. My sin doesn't affect anyone. It's just between me and no one else. You know, I can have one foot in the church, one foot out of it. Because, you know, at least I don't have two feet in the world. Come on, I'm not like that. It's just, I'm living my truth. You know, he didn't really mean you have to die to self and pick up your cross daily if you want to be his follower. He didn't really mean that. You know, to live your truth can be very different from living God's truth. And this is our challenge. To understand that God decides what's true. That God decides what's real. You know, most people's real argument with the Bible, it's not validity. It's not authenticity. It's with authority. (laughs) It's with, most of the times when people discount the Bible, we're trying to find out, you know, whether or not we want to do what it says. That's our problem. We don't want to do what it says. And unless we know how to choose what's right from wrong, what's true from false, then, then our lives will always feel unsteady, unshaken, you know, shaken, and, and, and unsure. And that's not the life God wants us to live. So what do we do? What's God's direction for us? Well, Proverbs 3, verse 5 tells us, Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, submit to Him. And He will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's a relationship. Trust is about relationship. It's how we relate to God relationally. He tells us not to depend or lean on our own understanding. Our own understanding. Our Inherent wisdom, which is significantly flawed and finite. He says, don't lean on that. You know, when you lean on something, you you put all your weight on it. And if I could demonstrate, imagine leaning on this podium. I mean, maybe from the side, right? Just leaning on this podium. Putting all my weight on it. Can you imagine if it were to just give way? It just comes out from under me and plop, I'm on the floor. You know, but what are we putting our trust in when it comes to our own lives? What illusions are we settling as truth in our lives? Putting our trust in things that won't last, in people that change, in illusions, you know, Illusions are things that we, we settle, we just want to see. We see what we want to see. Maybe it's you're putting your trust in friendships that will tell you what you want to see. They won't challenge you. They won't hold up the mirror to your life and show you how we are falling short and how God wants us to truly live. It's an illusion. Maybe you're trusting in your feelings. Whoa, how did that play out before in your life? Yeah. Oh, I'll trust my heart. Your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. Yeah. Who can understand it? What if what you're putting your trust in gave way today? Would you still stand? 
Would your life stand? You know, it was pretty awesome yesterday at the uh, Sports Fest to have a guest speaker address our teens. And, uh, you know, Ezra Stevens, your sister in Christ, grew up in the church in North Carolina. She became a disciple as a teen, played basketball all her life, went to Duke University, and later on went to UConn for a year, who's a powerhouse of winning championships for women's basketball, but has recently declared for the WNBA draft, was the sixth pick, and now plays professionally for the Dallas Wings. You know, we tried getting her to Sports Fest, but as you can imagine, her schedule didn't allow it. So we got the next best thing. We got her to send in a video sharing with us her testimony and her convictions. And you know, it was so cool to hear her life, to hear how she could relate to so many of our youth who are growing up in the church, the challenges and, and the blessings of growing up in the church. But you know, the main thing that stood out to me was when she talked about not finding her self-worth in basketball. Not finding her identity in basketball, but in God. That my truth comes from finding my identity in God. This is a professional women's basketball player Saying that if God took this away, or if this, if this somehow just was not a part of my life anymore, life would be okay. Amen. My truth comes from my identity in God. And you know, it's, it's so obvious and clear. Her, her uh, I think junior year in college, she got to baptize her roommate, who is now your sister in Christ, who also declared for the draft and is out playing in the WNBA. We have a sister, we have a disciple of Christ who is out there more interested in dunking people in the waters of baptism than dunking a basketball. That's awesome. Truth. Truth. I think I lost my page here. Lastly, truth brings focus. That was truth is reliable. Truth brings focus. Why trust God with our lives? Because God enables us to see a reality beyond our circumstances. You know, much like the reality stone in the Marvel movies, right? Uh, But God, the rock of all ages, the rock of salvation, empowered Paul with the ability to see a circumstance or a reality beyond the circumstances. And so this, this gave Paul an attitude, an approach to life that enabled him to do seemingly impossible things. Philippians 4, right. we read, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in all things and in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. What? This is the same guy who's been in prison, who actually wrote this letter in prison, 
has been flogged severely, beaten with rods, once stoned. Not talking about the stone like you and I before we were Christians or something. I'm talking about stone throwing rocks at him. Shipwrecked, endangered in the sea, country, the, the uh, false brothers on the, on the move, known hunger and thirst without sleep, cold and naked. We're talking about suffering. This is a man who understood suffering. And this is what he says about it. I appreciate what Haley shared about suffering. You want to follow Christ. It's part of following Christ. Suffering. Now, our definition though, we've settled for an illusion of suffering. Wait, how far is the event? i got to drive how far? <laughs> suffering. <laughs> how much is this? i got to do how many times? How often? <laughs> we got to redefine suffering in our lives. When it comes to our youth, we got to invest in their lives. We have Youth and Family Night coming up this Saturday. I expect everyone to be there, wherever you live. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about the community. It's about the village that is trying to do everything we can to give every single one of our kids a chance to know the truth. Oh, but I'm just too busy. I, I can't make it then you're too busy. You're just too busy. And we need a reality check with our priorities. I mean, there are freshmen, there are teens I haven't met yet. Or I've met once all summer. I don't know of any youth corps that's three months long. I don't know of any family vacation that's three months long. If there is, I mean, take me with you. No, I mean, I'm just saying. But, but That's right. guys, we got to commit to this. You know, there's a teen, you know, in band, and, and, and he texted me. He's just like, man, teen disciple. He's like, Will, they got me out here the last 12 hours. Band, my director called a meeting for 12 hours. <laughs> you know, I call a meeting for the church. For the teens, let's say 12 hours, and we're called a cult. But when a band director from the schools calls a meeting for 12 hours, it's called practice. What are we teaching our youth? Because they're fighting it. They're being consumed. These things aren't inherently evil in themselves. you got kids in middle school you got kids in elementary, you need to start praying and thinking about band, yeah. extracurricular activities. Yeah. That is a real thing. Yeah. That distorts us from the truth. Yeah. But here's Paul. He's, he, he suffered. But he's like, you know what? <laughs> I will boast about the things that show my weakness. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions. For when I'm weak... And I'm strong. And while the prison letters here reflect uh, Paul's earthly status, you know, he's, a, he's in a position of a prisoner of Rome, he's like, no, let me make this clear. I've been captive, first and foremost, to Christ. Yeah. I belong to Him. 
You know, God has a way of altering our reality, not just in the face of persecution, but even in the face of death. You know, recently we've had a few heroes in the faith pass away. Our sister, Kathy Hammond, spent a large part of her life, along with her husband, helping the LGBT community, helping them find their identity in Christ and not in their sexual orientation through their strength and weakness ministry all around the world. Countless people benefited from her service. Knowing she had months to live, she wrote articles that contained spiritual lessons that she learned entitled Insights from the Valley. And she did that to her very last breath. Our sister, Gloria Baird, Her family's legacy speaks volumes as her faith has been passed on not only to her children, but her children's children. Loved by so many as her and her husband have ministered to many churches, to many marriages. When Addie and I first got married out in L.A., we got to sit at their feet as they hosted our very first young married group. And you know what was very clear about their life is that they loved God and they loved each other. And you know, she shared a story about how in the very beginning of what we have here today, with fewer resources, with fewer people, but with a, a big dream to see the Gospel be spread around the world, with conviction, she sold her wedding ring to use that money to further God's mission. To use it for missions. To support the work of the disciples there. And it's, you know, and it's with that kind of heart that we saw her serve so many brothers and sisters around the world. And you know, it, just, it doesn't make sense when we look at things like that in light of what's temporary. But it makes a whole lot of sense in light of what's Eternal. In light of eternity, it makes a whole lot of sense. The life now, this life now is about sacrifice to even greater God, or even greater cause. 2 Corinthians 4 reminded me of this passage here. And to just bring it here, preface it a little bit, Paul reminds the church, they renounce the secret and shameful ways of the world, they, they no longer distort the Word of God. They make the truth plainly. They feel hard-pressed but not despaired. They're persecuted but not abandoned because the One who raised them from the dead will also raise them up. Therefore, in verse 16, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles. Light and momentary. You've been shipwrecked and stoned. Light and momentary. False things have been shared about you. Light and momentary. You've gone hungry, naked, cold. Light and momentary. Troubles. are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. 
Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, these women and others have fought to keep their joy to the very end. To continue to be used by God into their last breath. What an example they have set for us in truth. Because all of us here will have to face death. But with God, truth gives us focus. Not what is seen, but what is unseen. But ask yourself, does the way you live your life, does it reveal a life focused on what is unseen? Is it clear to God? Is it obvious to people around us? Yeah, man, wow, they are living for something else. They are not of this world. Their minds and eyes are gazed on things above. Can that be said about you? God wants that to be said about us. He wants to transform our hearts. But the truth is what transforms us. And so, we've talked about truth. A truth that can be known. Because God wants to be known. Absolutely, for every single one of us, He wants you to know He can be known. And He wants to be known. And that truth is reliable. It's not faulty. It won't give way. You can lean on it with all of your life. Trust not in your own wisdom. But lean on God. Because it will stand and not give way. And a truth that gives focus. Focus. Because God enables us to see a reality that is far beyond our own circumstances. Let's go to God as we close out our word of prayer. Our Father in Heaven, thank You so much for Your words that truly breathe life. They truly are what we need to be sustained, uh, to be, uh, our eyes be opened to the truth to be unshackled, to be unchained, and for our eyes to be open to truth. That it can be found in You. Life with You can be absolutely found. And we want to hold on to what is true. And not be deceived, not be disillusioned by the things that are thrown at us here in this world. But Father, You give us this time, this moment, so that we don't live life and then find out that we lived it deceived. It was an illusion. But rather the truth can be shared and known to us here today. Because it can be reliable. It can be worthy of our lives. Worthy of all that we are and who we want to be. It's worthy of it all. So that then it can even transform us. Give us the ability to alter and see a reality that is far beyond what we see in our circumstances, what we hear on the news, or what our feelings tell us, or even what our heart is trying to lead us towards. Father, may Your words be truth in our lives. We love You. We thank You. In Your Son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.